All right. Um, yeah, and it it asks me to focus on my recovery in the program. That makes sense. Oops, and to qualify until 9.15. Okay, and I'm going to get a five-minute warning. Um, yeah, it's really good to be here. And thank you very much. I appreciate that. I have props on the on the desk. So my name, again, is Sheila. I'm a compulsive reader. Thank you, John, for having me. And uh, I love this meeting. And I don't know why I don't get here more often, but it's really great to be here. And... Um, I love Overeaters Anonymous. I love 12-step programs. I just do. And I, I think at this point in the game, I've been here for 31 years, I guess. Yeah, it's 31 years this month, right? This is February 19. Uh, but I only have 18 years of abstinence. So I was a slipper for a dozen years. And all that means is that I just wasn't ready to feel the feelings. And I had a lot of feelings that were going to come up based on the family I grew up in. I grew up in an alcoholic home. My parents weren't alcoholics, but my grandfathers were. And alcoholism travels south quickly. And, um, and my, uh, both of my grandfathers, paternal and maternal, were alcoholics. And my, my father's alcoholic father was uh, the kind of alcoholic who would come home uh, from work. He was a butcher, and he would fall asleep and pass out. And so my dad's anger was kind of passive-aggressive um, uh, anger. It was a slow, slow, simmering anger. My mother's alcoholic father was uh, horrendously violent. He wasn't just a child beater. He was a beater-upper. And my mother was the oldest. She had a brother two years younger and then a brother that came ten years later and then a, another girl who came, and she didn't really get any of it. But um, those three kids, but my mother and her brother, uh, got the worst of it. And I have every confidence that if you are a boy who is getting knocked around by your father, that's a horrible, horrible experience, and yet there's something that's just a little bit worse if it's, if it's happening and you're a girl, right, and you've got your father hitting you with a closed fist. Um, uh, coming in the bathroom when you're bathing, things like that, right, when she was a teenager. So my mother was a really wounded bird. And the only reason I tell you that is because um, that had a huge effect on my life, um, my mother, my mother's pain. And, um, and it's, it's really special that I get to be here today because my mother died in 2004, but this would be her 83rd birthday. And my parents died young. They died in their 60s. And they died of various ailments. But the reality is they died of alcoholism because um, alcoholism, right, the addiction, right, the addiction component that we experience here in Overeaters Anonymous, it's much, it's, it would be great if it was just about the food, wouldn't it? I mean, it would just be terrific, right? Because then you, you come here, you do the deal, you get to go away, maybe hang out for a couple years, play the 12-step game, and then split, right? Split. Because we go so deep here. And on my good days, that feels like a really good thing. And on other days, it just feels very, very taxing and very hard. Because I didn't get a lot of those those experiences as a kid, right? Again, my mother was very, very troubled for a lifetime. She was just in a lifetime of pain. So when I came in here and started working the steps right away, because I started in the mother program. Well, I started in Al-Anon, then uh, found my way to AA, realized I should probably start paying more attention to my drinking rather than the drinking in my family. And then I turned to somebody three months into that program, and I said, I was weighed 200 pounds, top weight's 200 pounds. I weigh about 135. I might be a little closer to 140 right now. But um, um, I turned to somebody at three months in, and I said, do you think somebody can have a problem with sugar like you have a problem with alcohol? She said, absolutely, go to Overeaters Anonymous. And I did. 
and went to my first away meeting had i taken the direction i got there right once we this woman determined after the meeting as i was chatting that i had a problem with sugar and she suggested just three meals and no sugar that day and i went and i had because i hadn't eaten anything i came to that meeting without having eaten and i went and i had a breakfast right because i didn't know how oh it worked i know you didn't drink in alcoholics anonymous so i'm going to overeaters anonymous i guess you don't eat right so again i showed up not having eaten got this direction from her went and had a meal and i can remember after i had that meal and i thought three meals a day and no sugar it's got to be more complicated than that and i proceeded to complicate it for the next dozen years because i just wasn't done i wasn't ready to feel the feelings and there was a lot of bad stuff that went on in my home i was molested not by not by anybody in my home but by two different men five years apart on numerous occasions and i was the youngest one in my family probably an unplanned pregnancy all my other siblings are much closer in age than i was and again my mother was just done by the time i came along she was done and it showed up in lots of different ways i have um again I, my oldest brother's deceased he died of diabetes as did my mother but um uh he died at 36 my brother but um my two older sisters um one of them doesn't have any cavities and one thinks she might have one but she's not sure which i think is interesting it's just like stand in front of a mirror and open your mouth right we'll be able to figure this out real quickly but um and i have 11 right so and my dad's best friend was a dentist so we had you know we were going to the dentist twice a year and every time i went i would have another cavity and you'd think that would get somebody's attention right and it just didn't right um and and there were were all kinds of other problems in conjunction with the sexual trauma and stuff that were showing up lots of things that seemingly would have gotten my my uh my parents attention certainly my mother's and just did not right she was just done she was just in a lot of pain and done so when i came in here the one good thing about having come from an alcoholic home is i have a real healthy respect for authority you know i don't argue with sponsors or cops so when i came here don't do it so when i came here i was directed to get to get sponsors and start working the steps and it became very clear that i wasn't done with the sugar and wasn't done with the quantity eating and my sponsor said something very very wise right and again this was in 1988 it was 3 3 years before the first overeaters anonymous 12 and 12 book came out and that's an important part of the story but she directed me to work the steps regardless right cuz she was real clear about the a b and c that Ainsley just read for us at the end of how it works right that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives that probably no human power b that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism see that god couldn't would if he were sought right that's how it goes if you're reading it from the big book obviously but that b that's a really important part right that probably no human power could have relieved our compulsion my sponsor was very very clear about that she said i can't fix this food thing for you that's a god job she said but work the steps and keep working them over and over and over again and that made sense given that i came from michigan <coughs> largely influenced by the alcoholics anonymous of bob smith from ohio and that was what bob's theory was is that you keep going through the steps over and over again in contrast to the new york cohort who were thinking that you just go through one time and then you'll cycle through what would be 10 11 and 12 
Bill reversed himself on that, and he talks about it in AA Comes of Age. But for a long time, that you know, those two different groups were working the program in a different way. But again, I was just directed to work the steps over and over and over again, and that's what I did. So I've been here for what? Been in program for almost 33 years in 12-step programs. I've probably done 45 four-step. I just did finished one a month ago, and because again, I just do what's what my sponsor asked me to do. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with this stuff. But um, um, so it was a real process for me, right, to start feeling safe enough to feel the feelings, and. Um, and then I, it was 83, and I don't know what happened in fall of 83, because what, what, what would go on is I would go in and out of sugar. And I, I have not weighed 200 pounds since, since 1988. So something was working, right? But I would bounce between like 155 and 170, right? I'd kind of do that three, four times a year. So despite the fact I'm not a 100-pounder and haven't weighed 200 pounds in, you know, 32 years, 31 years, whatever it is, um, I've lost and gained over 1,600 pounds because I had a registered dietitian have me track it, right? You give me a month and a year, and I can tell you within five pounds what I weigh. And my husband always says, I don't, I don't know what's crazier, that you can do that or that you did that, right? <laughs> but, um, but, you know, both are true. But... That was my that was my pathology, right? That was my pain. That was my way of coping with the pain was just to be going like this, kind of that running to stand still thing. And um, and so in uh, f- fall of uh, 2003, for whatever reason, right, I was in a cycle where I was off sugar again, right? Because that would that would happen, in, you know, a time or two a year. So I was off sugar, and I my birthday is October 28th. And, you know, we all know when Halloween is, and nobody in their right mind stops eating sugar before Halloween. So I think I started, like, around the 7th of November. And um, I stayed abstinent through the holidays, stayed abstinent through New Year's, right? And uh, I'm into January and still off sugar. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe this is, you know, this might be a good run. This might, maybe this is the one. Because, again, I'm still in program, still working the steps, still doing the deal. And um, my husband and I went out to eat uh uh it was i know exactly when it was uh it was tuesday the 13th of january and we went to a restaurant we had a late night reservation just down the street here and um and at jar and i don't know what happened at the dinner i have no idea because it can happen like that but um, I don't know if the waiter looked at me cross-eyed or what. I remember there was a couple in the corner in a booth kind of making out in the booth. I don't know where I got triggered, but all of a sudden I've been off sugar for two months and I decide I'm going to have sugar again, right? And my, my, my now husband, he was a fiancé at the time. We had a long engagement, right, almost 10 years. Um, <laughs> right? And... Um, and he's been on this ride with me, right? This up and down, in and out of sugar and stuff, right? He knows how this is going to go. It's that tornado that it talks about in the big book, right? Because I remember saying to him after we finished dinner, it's like 11 o'clock at night, and I said, let's have dessert. And he said, oh, okay, right? I mean, he's just petrified because he knows the run we're about to go on. He knows how this is going to go. So we order a dessert, and we're sharing this dessert, which is a problem right there, right? <laughs> and, and, and it's one of those fancy things, right? And we're, I've been off sugar for two months. I've had all those feelings, all that stuff, right, that I was re- resolving to some extent, but now I'm back in the sugar. And w- big problem because we're sharing a dessert, 
He's eating more than me. I'm counting his bites. I'm counting my bites. And we got to get out of this restaurant. We got to get out of here because I need something real now. Not this, you know, dessert with the, you know, accoutrement. I do not need all this stuff, right? I need 99 cent store sugar is what I need. I do. So we got to get out of here. So, again, because now I'm back in it, right? And, again, I've been doing this for years. I know how this goes, right? I got this routine down. And my husband never likes to ballet park. And so, I, you know, we're uh, and I'm just trucking to the car. I'm like, baby, let's go. Come on, let's go. Because I have got to get real sugar now. Because I have now activated the allergy of the body. Of the, body. the obsession of the mind never goes away, right? Silkworth tells us about this. The allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. That's how he defines it in doctor's opinion. Well, I have now activated the allergy of the body. So it's like, baby, let's go. We've got to get to the car because I've got to get real deal sugar. My husband's got stuff at home. He's got dark chocolate. I don't know why anybody in their right mind would eat dark chocolate. I don't. I don't. I have got to have fat combined with sugar, right? I am never going to eat a jelly bean unless I can deep fry it. So I need, I, I have got to get stuff. So, and I'm already planning the lie, you know, and also like it talks about in the book, we can be fine. We are fine, upstanding people, probably, probably people of higher intelligence and higher smart people can get this too. It just takes longer. So we are, I've just got, I've got to get, I'm already planning the lie. And I don't know why I would feel like I needed to lie to him. He knows how this goes. He knows how this is going to go. I don't know why I felt like I needed to lie, but I'm already planning the lie. I'm thinking, like, I gotta get to the, to the store, I gotta get tampons, but I wanna drop him off first, because I don't wanna go in and get the stuff, and he's gonna wonder why, you know, because he's gotta get home and take care of the dog, and he's gonna wanna know why he can't go to the store and get the tampons for me. He knows, right? OB, don't get anything with an applicator. He knows how to do this. I mean, I, I, I don't know why I felt like I needed to, to lie. That's the interesting part. I've told this story many times before, but I've never really thought about that. I don't know why I couldn't just look at him and say, sweetheart, I'm I'm on it again. I'm on a run, right? I got to stop at the store, but I'm planning a lie. And then I think, okay, you know, Tampa, he's going to wonder because I just finished a cycle two two weeks ago. He's going to know that. And I think, you know, sis, I'll tell him ovarian sis, and then he's going to say, well, that's not a big deal, is it? And I'll say, well, you know, honey, I mean, I didn't want to say anything. I mean, it could be cancer. I mean, I don't know. The doctor's not sure. Like, that that's how quickly we got there. I'm just about to lie to him and tell him that I might have cancer because i got to get him out of the car, and i got to go back to the store at now at this point almost midnight, right, to get, that's how it goes for me. And I always figured I didn't really have a bottom. And we finally get to the car, finally, and my hand is just about to hit the handle of the door. And I thought, wow, I'm glad I don't live in a high-rise. I thought, where did, where did that come from? And I got it in that moment that if I kept doing this for years, like I had been, working the steps, in program, playing the game, and continuing to go in and out of sugar, I finally got it that I couldn't guarantee that I wasn't going to one day take myself out. And I'd never, I'd never had that that thought before, ever. And um, I, in that moment, I finally got powerlessness, right? 
and i i knew i mean there was a there was a young girl i used to go to meetings there was a young girl who was twenty eight years old and i heard her on a tuesday night there was a tuesday night nine pm meeting and on the west side and i heard her she was talking about how she couldn't stop eating snickers bars and i gave her an outreach call a couple days later and her dad answered the phone and he was weeping because his daughter had killed herself the day before she put a gun in her mouth and blew her head off because she couldn't stop eating snickers bars right so and that's not the only person i know who's who's succumbed to this disease right so i was real clear that it was possible but it wasn't possible for me you know this was just not a thing this was just a seasonal deal right just occasionally i take a run i've got five different sizes of clothing in my closet that works for me right but it stopped working in that moment i got real clear and uh um and i you know i didn't i didn't eat sugar that night like i had i had an epiphany and i woke up the next day on wednesday january 14th and what did i do i had sugar again right i mean that's how it goes that's the deal and then on the 15th of january in 2004 something shifted something shifted and i put the sugar down again and and it you know there was a transformation right and something happened so and people will always say well how do you do that how do how, do, how did that happen i have no idea how that happened i'm guessing it had something to do with the years and years and years of working the steps right i'm real clear about that that's where the transformation happened i love meetings i love fellowship right but um the transformation happens in working the steps so i just keep doing it over and over and over again because i have not at all solved my problem because weight was not my problem sugar is not my problem flour was not my problem it would be great but it's not my problem if it was my problem right i i mean i'm a writer i'd i'd write a book right tell you how you lose weight probably be best friends with oprah and <laughs> move on but it's not It's always been an issue of the heart. I do not love easily and I do not forgive easily. Those are my issues. That's it. It's right here. This is the issue right here. So, and I you know, I just experienced this when I parked out there because I I did. I mean, it's a great beautiful drive. Okay, so I got five. Thank you. I've got it's a great, you know, wonderful beautiful morning, right? And I'm pulling around the corner and I'm here early because John asked me to be here early. And so there's, you know, all kinds of parking, but somebody's there's a they're not close enough to the line, right? So I can't get behind them to get in the spot. Now, mind you, there's probably 400 yards of open parking in front of this vehicle. But I'm I'm angered because this person has parked incorrectly, right? And momentarily and I'm again I'm right outside a temple momentarily and I I mean I don't I don't think I really thought this but I thought I'm going to hit their bumper <laughs> and they're not they're not in the car like that's that's how quickly it can happen right and I'm your I'm your leader for the <laughs> so right so that's how quickly it can happen that's alcoholism that's the addiction But we spend so much time focusing on the food and weight and things like that and and I am so glad really that 
I had a sponsor who said, put that in its proper perspective, which is that's a God job, and let's do this in the, let's do this transformation work, right? Because as within, so without. You experience that transformation within, it can't help but show up on your body. And I'm just telling you, that, that which has happened to my body is the least interesting transformation that's happened to me here. The least interesting, right? <laughs> so I am just so, so, so grateful. And I, I just want to close out, and I know we're recording this, so you guys don't have the benefit here, but I've got three rocks on the, on the, uh, on the desk here, right? So I won't have time for all the stories, but I'm going to tell you this one. So, because um, this is relevant to my, my 12-step journey. So there are these two rocks, and they have a white... Uh, they're gray rocks, and then there's like a white a white line of something, right, that goes around the middle of these rocks. And I had gone on a trip. My husband and I went to Newfoundland, and we had I'd read in a guidebook that there's this particular beach, and if you find one of these rocks that has this this white ring around it, that like it's just an amazing thing, right? This just never happens, right? You're really a special person. So we got to get there, and I got to get to that beach, and I'm going to find one of those rocks, right? <laughs> So, and we uh, procrastinate, so it's the last day. We have a flight out that night. It's raining torrentially, and I'm saying to my husband, no, we're going to that beach, and I'm finding one of those rocks. So we're tromping around on this beach. I mean, just crazy rain. And Canadians love to be out in the rain, and there are no Canadians out in this rain on this beach. And I, 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 I find one. I, you know, I found one. Oh, my God, I found one. Well, I found one, and then what? Well, now I need two. So I said, well, let's, i got to find a second one, right? So I find, I find a second one. Like, I'm... I'm a holy woman, right? And my husband finds one. And then I find it, and then he finds one with two rings. So it's now like, well, I got to find one with three rings, right? And so, like, I mean, just crazy, right? That's alcoholism. That's the pathology, right? So I get, we, we end up finding just a boatload of these rocks. I find like 25 of these rocks. I just think, you know, we, we don't need a plane to fly home. I can apparently fly home. I mean, I'm some, there's something profound about me, right? I found 25 of these rocks. I'm sneaking them. I don't even know if it's legal to get these out of Canada. And, um, I, you know, I'm Trump, you know, I've got them in my purse and stuff. I get home. I'm just so excited. I just can't believe it, you know. And I and I teach part time. I teach a creative writing class, and I think, you know, maybe I'll give the you know a couple students, you know, that you know the, the great student. Maybe I'll give you know I've got enough. Maybe I'll share the rocks, but I don't know. I'm not sure. This is really special. <laughs> and so you know, we're back for a day or two. I'm kind of doing the reentry, and we go to our gym. And at the time, we belong to kind of a mucky muck gym in West LA. And I'm waiting for my husband to come out, and I'm sitting, and you know, and they have the fake palm trees, and you know, all the rocks and stuff at the bottom. And I look down, and I see. And there are hundreds and hundreds of rocks at the base of this tree with white rings around them, like these 25 rocks that I've brought home from Canada. And I think, wait a minute, wait, what? And I contact a friend of mine who's a geologist, right? And he says, I bring him one of the rocks, and he says, Oh no, Sheila, that's that's calcite. That's that's very common, right? Those that's very common. I mean those those rocks are everywhere, right? That's I'm I'm glad that you found these special ones and got them home, but those are very common. So all of a sudden these rocks that were so special meant nothing to me now. Because now they were something that anybody could get. I mean I could have I could have stolen them from my gym. (laughs) And I realized, right, thank you, the only thing that changed was the story that I was telling, that I had in my mind. And what happens here when we work the steps 
is we have an opportunity to tell a different story because we see things differently and it's not because you've changed and it's not because I lost weight it's because something in my heart changed so I went from these are very precious rocks to they have no value and then I realized I have a choice and I can take it back to they're very very precious rocks and I do give them away and I tell my students that story right you get to decide what story you're going to tell in your life we get to decide that here and through working the steps your story will change and it will show up on your body or in your food behavior your compulsive food behaviors but just know perhaps for you that it's also true in the same way it's a heart issue right so i want to get my heart transformed and get access to that real compassion that's the recovery that's the real deal that's what we're here for at least i know that's what i'm here for and um haven't solved my problem yet but um but i got a shot and you are all going to be part of the solution so please don't go anywhere i need i need you i want what all of you have and uh, i'm very very grateful thank you for having me This is the time for questions only, right? Uh, there's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. And also, please remember that the opinions of the leader uh, are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. And when asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay? And uh, I'll restate that question after those questions get asked so we can make sure everybody hears. Okay. All right. There we go. Hey, Ainsley. Thank you so much. Mm. Great share. I'm wondering if you would mind um, kind of just defining what abstinence is for you. Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, abstinence for me is the action mm-hmm. of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. Spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery is the result of living the program, so that's what I do. That's what my abstinence is. The rest is just food plan stuff, right? And that kind of vacillates. Um, you know, I, sugar doesn't work for me. There are other things that don't work for me, but um, I just I, I kind of stick to that beautiful definition, and then. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the rest is just a, a food plan. Yep. Yeah. Hi. Can you share with us how you sponsor people? Sure. Yep. Thank you. That's a good question. So um, I, 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 thank you. Thank you, please. And I'll always need that reminder. Um, she asked me to define what, uh, how I sponsor, right? Um, yes. Yeah, so I sponsor chronic slippers exclusively in this program and in the mother program. And so... Um, I, I always tell people we're going to figure it out really quickly whether or not you're done. And that's all we want to do is figure out whether you're done. And the done in, in Overeaters Anonymous, just like it was with my sponsor, does not have anything to do with anybody's eating. I, I can't solve anybody's eating problem. If I could, my mother and my brother would not be dead from diabetes. Because in addition to the diabetes, they also had eating disorders with sugar. And my mother died weighing 250 pounds. My brother died weighing 120 and both of them ate copious amounts of sugar, right? So um, the done is somebody's commitment to doing the work. I always tell them, you're going to have to give me something. You're going to have to give me abstinence in the work, or you're going to have to give me the work. But if you think that that um, 
we're going to have a conversation on a monday i'm going to tell you what i'd like you to do for the next day and you're going to call me the next day and if you're eating is pristine and beautiful but you haven't done the work that's that's not what that's not what i'm going for and if you keep that up i'm probably not the sponsor for you right and i do it in a very loving and kind way right nobody who's ever been sponsored by me would say that i'm hard i don't know what kind of conversation what kind of gossip there might be outside of my circle but um i'm not hard and i'm not mean or a bitch or a shrew or anything like that but i'm clear right so i give somebody very very clear direction because the big book of alcoholics anonymous which is what i sponsor from i love the oa conference approved literature i've read most of it right done that workbook three or four times i dig it but i spend my time sponsoring from the big book of alcoholics anonymous because it is the primary source material right the pivotal one and um and there's all kinds of direction in there so i give people lots of things to do So they're going to send me an email at night, right? We're going to talk. We have to, you know, you got to give people time. So I spend 45 minutes to an hour a week, whether we spread that out over, you know, five days or spread it over three days. Once in a while, somebody just in terms of schedule, we just have to do a 45-minute phone call once a week because you have to give people time. But um, I give them lots of things to do, right? And they're going to send me an email at night. They're going to tell me what they ate that day, right? Which means you're going to have to do some whamming, right? You're going to have to weigh and measure. And and that can be really scary for people. But, um, you know, if you want to get here and you're here, we've got to know what you're eating. And if you just tell me that you had a cheeseburger and a bag of Doritos for lunch, I mean, did you get that bag of Doritos at 7-Eleven or Costco? So we've got to, there has to be there has to be some component of whamming, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they're going to tell me how long they've meditated because I get people meditating right away, right? You don't need to wait to the eleventh step to meditate. You don't want to be somebody here who's not a daily meditator. You just don't, right? And um, so I get them meditating. They're going to tell me how long they meditate. They'll start with five minutes. I'll bump them up to fifteen. I don't take anybody beyond fifteen. That's your own journey. I'm a TMer, so I do forty minutes a day. Twice in two different sessions, but I'm not going to take anybody beyond 15. But you'll get there when we get on the four step, which they'll get to within two weeks, working the steps in the big book, because it doesn't take a long time, right? They're going to tell me who they make their outreach calls to, because my sponsor requires me to make three live outreach calls or six message calls or any combination thereof, because she wants me to build a community. Because again, the problem is not on, in my body, the problem is in my heart. And the heart, the way I access the heart, I can't access my heart alone, right? I need you and you and you and you, right? That's where I experience God. It's that great reality deep within that the book talks about. So, again, these are all things, and the ten, my sponsor added a year ago, like ten things that I'm grateful for. And, you know, again, I know this I know this works for Oprah and stuff, but I'm just not a big fan of gratitude lists. And I don't know what that's about. That doesn't seem like a good thing. But um, I don't like it, but I just still do it, right? And I've included it. And now I'm kind of making friends with it, and it's kind of fun. But those are all things that they're going to send to me on a, on a nightly basis because I just want them to understand. If you're somebody who's a chronic slipper, and again, I only sponsor people who've been banging their head against the wall here for years. If you have not gotten what you came here for, it has something to do with what you are or are not doing. And I want to have somebody make that connection that this can come together if you start doing the work and you build the community, right? The community in Overeaters Anonymous, we have such a great community here, you know? And I'm just heartbroken that the R2 convention had to get canceled because people wouldn't step up and do service. 
That's those are people who don't have a sense of community, right? We've got to. So I, I start with that, and I I want to know what they're eating and stuff. But I don't care if you're still in the sugar. That that stuff's going to get itself sorted out. You will get to a point where you will realize it's not the sugar you want. It's the love. You're just settling for the sugar, you know. And that happens through the process. So I put all the emphasis on the work over here. But you got to tell me what you're eating. I mean, I know there are sponsors in Overeaters Anonymous who, who don't know what their sponsees are eating. This does not make any sense to me. But again, this is not my business. Thank you, Alanon. But <laughs> I can still have an opinion. But then I, you know, you know, more Alanon, more. Al- I mean, you know, like. But I want to know. But I want to know not because I want to know what you're eating. I want to know because I want you to know it's safe. You are safe here. You're safe to say it all. You're safe to read me a list of binge foods, right, that you ate. You're safe. You're loved, right? I want you to know it's safe. I want my sponsees to know you can be completely honest (coughs) about everything you're eating. You are loved, right? I love you. I celebrate you. And then we'll do the work. That's when the transformation happens. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's where I really put the emphasis in terms of sponsorship. Yep. Um, thank you so much, Sheila. Uh, good so to awesome. see. Um, you mentioned you didn't have time to tell the other stories about the rock. Mm. I mean, the rock <coughs> did fold that in, but if there are untold stories, <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you for asking. There is. There's a good. This is a good. This is good. And again, it's cool because it's all relevant. You know, program stuff. So this is a rock, um, I, and I think I think this is a ruby in the middle of this rock. So there's a place in Canada. And uh, I know, I love Canada. There's a place in Canada, and it's Edith Clavel, um, and it was also raining. I did rain a lot more than my husband. <laughs> but we're out, and I find this rock there, right? And I, I didn't know at the time that it's a ruby, but I've since found out that there's rubies in this particular area of Canada. This is Western Canada, and so I loved this rock. But again, I didn't. I dig red, so I just didn't. I didn't. It wasn't the whole ruby thing. And I love this rock, and I collect rocks, right? I always, when I travel, I'm not anybody who collects stuff, but I always collect rocks and stuff. And once in a while, you know, I'll be somewhere, and somebody's, you know, like, you know, I'll say, oh, just move by person. They pick it up, and they say, God, it's so heavy. What do you got in there, rocks? And it's, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I do, right? That's right. I haven't taken them out. But so this, yeah, and so this rock I really liked because I loved that red thing in the middle. And, again, I didn't know it was a ruby. I just loved it, loved it, loved it. And, you know, I have a housekeeper who comes, you know, a couple times a month. And all of a sudden, out of my collection of rocks, all of a sudden this rock is gone. And I'm just livid because I know this housekeeper. And she's honest, it's a day as long. I mean, and who's going to steal a rock, right? But the rock is gone, and I'm just a little freaked out. And then I get more and more freaked out because I can't find this rock. And I want to, I mean, I want to fire the housekeeper. Like, how did you lose a rock? Where is it? It's gone. And my husband's just, oh, my God. You know, I'd prefer if you would eat sugar. I mean, my husband just like wants me to check, you know, it's just like, come on, baby, it's a rock. And I go to a meeting and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just about to pitch about how freaked out I am and pissed off that this rock is gone. And all of a sudden I realize the rock is on the rock. If you think about the planet as a big rock, the rock is not gone. The rock is on the rock. Right? Okay, well, I thought it was a big deal. But you guys, you guys don't like that story. Right? But 
it just gave me real peace. I got it that it wasn't gone. The rock is on the rock. So that rock had been gone for five years, right? The rock was gone for five years. My housekeeper's there this week, and I have her come for an extra day because my husband's gone. I'm going to finally clean that closet. And I walk through, and she's, you know, we've all been, you know, we've been doing stuff in different I walk by, and this rock is right on the floor. And I don't know if it came out of that closet. I don't know where it came from. I have no idea. But the rock is sitting right on the floor like that. <laughs> it's right there. And, I, and oh, and I had picked it up and I had heard, thank you. I'd picked it up and I, a, a year ago, I heard that, you know, all oh, these rocks from this area of the, of the world are, it's probably ruby. And I thought, oh, great. So now I'm even more pissed off, right? Because the rock is gone with the ruby in the middle of it. And that rock turned up. And now, yeah, I'm glad I got it back, but it doesn't matter because the rock was always on the rock, right? So, um, yeah, that's the rock story, right? So it's all precious. And, and and it's safe. Nothing's gone. Nothing's gone. Yeah, sure. Thank you for this and a lot. Your work and God's work, um, what you learned from that early sponsor who may still be a sponsor, I have no idea. Could you talk about that with an example from step six and seven, which is, you know, your work and God's work? Uh, well, in terms of six and seven, the, the magic for six and seven for me is... Um, because um, it seems like there's two different questions here, so I'm going to address the six and seven. So because the, the seven-step prayer is my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, the good and the bad, right? So I'm real clear that, that when I have people do six and seven from the book, right, because it's only two paragraphs at the top of page 76, right? That's what steps six and seven in the second paragraph is just the seven-step prayer, right? But since it, it asks me to identify, right, to, to give over the good and the bad to God, I have to have my sponsees. we got to figure out the character defects. That's easy to figure out the character defects. We love to do that, right? We love to sit down and deconstruct and think of all the bad things about ourselves. Which is yet another character defect, really, right? <laughs> but I also then have people identify their assets, and you got to balance it out, right? Because we want to be balanced here. We don't want to be going this way or that way. So that's kind of the magic for six and seven there. And I think that is part of my experience of God in, in a wonderful way, is God wants me to know my value. God wants me to, to be where, you know, the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. God wants me to know it all, right? So that's kind of where I think in terms of six and seven. And then you had asked what, it, you know, my job versus God's job. Um, I, I am powerless over the food, but I'm not powerless over the behavior. I'm not powerless, which is what I teach my sponsees. You are powerless over the food, but you're not powerless over going to a certain number of meetings. And I have people go to a minimum of three meetings a week and get three commitments there. It's not enough to go to a meeting. you got to have commitments. And usually it's I like four or more because I want somebody to be in meetings more, more days of the week. They're not powerless over that. Somebody's not powerless over making outreach calls and telling me who they're making those calls to. Again, you're not telling me because you're checking in with mommy or a drill sergeant. Right? I'm just supporting you in helping you figure out this community that you want to build. Right, And if you call three different people and those people don't return phone calls, those might be people to be buddies with at meetings rather than people to make outreach calls to, that kind of thing. But somebody's not powerless over that. right? Somebody's not powerless over buying a scale 
and putting you know the food on the scale, especially if I'm going to say to somebody, I'm not saying to somebody you can't eat a 16-ounce ribeye, right? I've eaten a 16-ounce ribeye on numerous occasions in my life, right? But let's let's get clear about what you're doing so that we can figure out then, so that if, you know, three months later, you came in weighing 200 pounds and you still weigh 200 pounds, well, maybe we need to move that 16-ounce ribeye, right? Maybe we need to cut that in half, right? So I want somebody to make those connections, but they're going to make them very, very organically. Well, somebody's not powerless over that. You're not powerless over buying a scale. You're not powerless over sitting and meditating, right? So there are so many things that we're not powerless over. I'm never one of those people who runs around and said, well, this is what I weigh. It must be God's will. Don't blame that on God, right? So because we're, we're powerless over the food, but I'm not powerless over the behaviors. And there are behaviors that I can take over here, right? That is my work. It's God's work to get this settled out over here, right? And it took me a long time. It took me a dozen years. But, but I was not powerless over the work. So that's, that's the, the God's work thing, is work the steps. And the reason I referenced the book from 1991, so again, I got the direction from my sponsor in 88. In our book, the first edition of the 12 and 12, it's from 30 and it wraps around to 31. And it's uh, in the four-step part of the book. And it's saying that, look, we think it's a good idea that you would be abstinent before you work the, uh, before you do a four-step. It would be a good idea. But maybe, maybe... Doing a four-step, regardless of whether or not you're absent, is going to be the thing that's actually going to get you aligned enough that you can conclusively take a third step, right? So, um, yeah, so that's the uh, that's my work versus God's work. Does that mean I don't have my glasses on? Am I done? Okay, there we go. Okay. All right. Now it is time for our...